Isaac Shade here, co-host of the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Join Andy Patton and me every Monday as we break down all the buzzer-beating action, conference rivalry games, and need-to-know bubble matchups ahead of the NCAA tournament. Check out the Locked On College Basketball Podcast every Monday, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. It is St. Mary's week with the Gales in town on Saturday night, and Zach Farmer and I break down why this game is as important of a regular season game the Zags have had in a really long time. You are Locked On Zags, your daily podcast on the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is going on, y'all? Welcome into the Locked On Zags podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host and longtime Gonzaga podcaster, Andy Patton, here to provide news and updates on all things Zag athletics. Today's episode of Locked On Zags is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Folks, right now, new customers can join today and you'll get $200 in bonus bets if your first bet of $5 or more wins. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. Well, it is the day before the big game between Gonzaga and St. Mary's on Saturday night. I am thrilled to be joined today by Zach Farmer. He is the host of the unofficial WCC Hoops podcast. It is the best WCC coverage that exists out there. Definitely give him a follow, unofficial WCC Hoops pod. You Can you spell out the exact uh, Twitter handle for, for the show uh, there, Zach? Unoff WCC pod. So you and OFF yes. WCC pod. It is also I couldn't make it any longer. Twitter wouldn't let me. So that's yeah. where I had to go. <laughs> got to do what you got to do. Uh, seriously, fantastic WCC coverage. Zach is also a St. Mary's fan. So it is a perfect person to help us get coverage of this team. And Zach, I kind of want to try to format this show somewhat similarly to how I do, especially for the listeners out there, how I do the normal kind of game preview shows. So we talk about the team that Gonzaga is playing in the first segment. We'll talk about the five keys to a victory for Gonzaga. We'll talk about some of those keys for St. Mary's as well. And then we're going to close out the show talking about why this game is so important for both teams, the lack of quad one wins for Gonzaga, the at-large resumes for both these teams, uh, and so on and so forth. But I want to start with the game that St. Mary's played on Wednesday evening against Santa Clara, one of the concerns that you and I had, we spoke earlier in the week was whether either of these two teams would potentially fall victim to a trap game, getting ready for that game against uh, each other on Saturday. Gonzaga had no problems with LMU, absolutely blew them out of the water, out of the gates. And it looked like St. Mary's was kind of rolling towards the same thing, doubled up Santa Clara, a very, very good team as Gonzaga fans know. I had them doubled up at halftime and then the final score ended up being much, much closer as, as Santa Clara scored 55 five points in the second half against the Gales. What happened in that comeback? And was it a situation of St. Mary's letting off the gas, you think, or is it just kind of a product of Santa Clara being a a pretty darn good basketball team? I think it's a little bit of column A, a little bit of column B. Mm -hmm. I think St. Mary's got up to such a, especially the, it almost the ease in which they kind of took command of that game. It was six, it was 15, nothing at one point in this contest. And we've seen Santa Clara, this happened to Santa Clara recently Mm as I mean, the Pepperdine game just the last week, this similar thing happened to them and they roared back in that game too. So maybe this is a lot of, this is somewhat, this is Santa Clara the last mm-hmm. week or so. That's just kind of what they've been doing, but also, I mean, grand scheme of things, this kind of ended up the game. I thought it would be Santa Clara was going to play better than they did that first time around. They had a full week to prepare for St. Mary's. They very clearly were 
upset and mm-hmm. about the way that first game went because they were a lot more energized early on. They were it was chippy early on, chippy throughout the game, really. And so you could clearly tell that Santa Clara kind of took that that first game personally and mm-hmm. really wanted to come out and play well. And obviously we didn't see that in the first half, but they came out strong in the second. And really, I mean, that was Carlos Marshall Jr. Like he yeah. played really well in that second half, 23 points. Adama Ball, geez, he had a couple of threes late in that contest that mm-hmm. only Adama Ball could hit. And um, and it got them back in that game. And yes, I do think St. Mary's kind of let off the gas a mm-hmm. bit. They got a little bit disjointed. Uh, Josh Jefferson fouled out with about like two two or three minutes left in that ball game. Uh, but they found enough ways to kind of get through it. Ada Mahaney also did not have that good of a game either. He was uh, two for eight from the field. So kind of back-to-back poor game for him. But Augustus Marshallonis has been kind of like the go-to guy in those situations of late. Uh, he had 20 um, against Santa Clara, t- six assists. He had 25 the other night against LMU. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he has really been kind of like, I think that leader and Dukas, Alex Dukas has come through in clutch scenarios as well uh, the last night. And then also as of late. Yeah. So that's what I, that's a perfect transition into what I wanted to talk about more was I think for folks who have been paying attention to the, to college basketball, certainly Gonzaga fans are, are used to paying a lot of attention to St. Mary's. Uh, they'll remember a, a really bad start to the season. I mean, there's no other way to, to phrase it. They, they lost games. They shouldn't lose. They lost that Weber state game. They struggled against teams that we had, they had no business struggling against and, you know, and knocked them out of the rankings. And, and similar thing happened to Gonzaga in a slightly kind of slower scale, but both teams had these higher preseason expectations that they kind of failed to meet in the non-conference. And, and lately though, if anybody has kind of stopped paying attention to St. Mary's, they have really righted the ship in a significant way. 13 of their last 14 games, they're the only undefeated remaining team in the WCC. Uh, obviously, some struggles against Santa Clara. They've had some close games. They, I think LMU, both games against LMU are within five points. Like It hasn't necessarily been just complete uh, destroying everybody in the WCC, although they certainly have had uh, their fair share of those against Pacific and San Francisco uh, in particular. But what about, and you mentioned Marcelonis, and I think he's probably the key piece here in terms of what has really turned this team around because Mahaney was struggling early in the year and he's still been somewhat inconsistent, hasn't had that sophomore breakout that I think people maybe expected, but it feels like Marcelonis is probably the biggest key for this team's uh, winning 13 of their last 14 games and really kind of putting themselves back in that at-large conversation, back in that top 25 conversation. I Yes, I think Augustus Marshallonis is definitely the guy, one of the guys who has been a key part to that. But I, th- I think you, you look at this way in almost two seasons. The what what we saw from St. Mary's very early on was a team that was almost over reliant on Aiden Mahaney to mm-hmm. kind of be the offense, and you also saw a bunch of guys who maybe weren't, a bunch of guys who maybe weren't quite at quite sure of what the role was. And I think mm-hmm. that's what we saw with Marshallonis. He didn't know quite know where he fits. Josh Jefferson wasn't quite confident in what he was supposed to be doing. Uh, I think you get to make the same case for, I'm going to say Alex Dukas. Alex Dukas has been there for, for so long. He kind of knows what his role is, but he just has been struggling with his, with back problems most of the season, the yeah. same injury that he had last year um, at the end. So there, that's also been something that kind of held this team back because really it was all piled on one guy to lead that offense. And the change really has been the play of everybody else. We've seen Augustus Marshallonis find his role, find his rhythm. Uh, and it's really kind of like 
he's taken the lead. He's now kind of like grasped that I'm going to be the leader now and we're going to go. I think that's been a huge part. I'm thinking if I'm last I checked, he's since that Colorado State game, he's averaging like 15 and seven. So that's 15.7 assists yeah. has been his about his averages since then. Um, Josh Jefferson has also been another one of those keys. Again, another guy you talk about sophomore season and mm -hmm. you just look to see that leap. We're starting to see that leap from him. He's becoming a much more reliable shooter. Um, early on, he was awful shooting the ball, especially from three. And he was like two for 27 at one point uh, in, on the season. And now he's he looks way more comfortable out there. Uh, the touches there. And that's largely from what my understanding uh, is that he's being allowed to play more free. He tried to fit in what he thought he was supposed to do. Now he's being allowed to kind of just be who he is. And that's really freed him up to be a lot better for the squad. And I want to talk more about Mitchell Saxon, because I think like he's obviously like a huge component to this because of he's the center. He's their defensive anchor back back there. He's also been great offensively, but one of the guys off the bench, I think once he found his role has been critical has been Luke Barrett. Mm -hmm. I think the the role that he has played in this resurgence of St. Mary's cannot be overlooked. He has been like he is the hustle guy. He is he's going to be the unsung hero. He's been their leading scorer a couple of times, but it's almost it's bonus what you get mm -hmm. from Luke Barrett. And but he's been so critical to what they've been able to do on both sides of the ball that Randy Bennett's put a lot of trust in him. He's now in that first six, seven rotation. Um, and he's there every night now. Pace is always, always the name of the game when Gonzaga and St. Mary's meet, and we're going to discuss that. We're also going to discuss some other keys to the game, what Gonzaga could do to secure a victory, what St. Mary's needs to do if they want to secure a victory, all of that coming up after a word from today's sponsor, FanDuel. The Super Bowl is coming up. It is San Francisco, Kansas City. There is still time for folks to get in on the action with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Because right now, new customers can get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed when you win a $5 bet. That's $200 in your pocket if your first bet wins. The FanDuel app is super easy to use. There are so many different ways to bet, like their live same-game parlays, finding bets in the new Explore tab, or making a parlay in the very popular Parlay Hub, the best way to find popular parlays. Right now, the Gonzaga women, 24,000 to 1 odds to win the national championship. I have seen the way they are playing right now, and I think I'm willing to take that bet. If you want to join me, visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and make your first bet a layup. FanDuel, an official partner of the NFL. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right, Zach, I want to talk keys to the game here. And you kind of touched on a few of them there at the end, which was perfect. Uh, I think St. Mary's' depth and Gonzaga's depth are both in kind of an interesting spot. Luke Barrett has been a huge part of that for St. Mary's. Dusty Stromer switching to a, a role coming off the bench has been a big part of that for, for Gonzaga as well. And we can get into that. But really, for me, when you talk keys to a Gonzaga victory against St. Mary's, or really vice versa, it's always going to come down to pace. Because the games that St. Mary's has won over the years, 
whether it was in Las Vegas, whether it was in Moraga, whether it was in Spokane, have often been because they have been effectively able to slow down Gonzaga and make them play at their pace. There have also been times where Randy Bennett has successfully slowed down Gonzaga and the Zags still win, but that is a much more difficult game. Now, this Gonzaga team doesn't run as much as previous Gonzaga teams. They don't have the personnel. They don't have the depth to do it as often. We've also seen many teams make adjustments to kind of trying to prevent Gonzaga from getting out, but their recent success that the Zags have had against LMU, the success against Pepperdine and San Diego has been in part because they've been trying to get out more. Ken Palm has St. Mary's as the 356th team in tempo. That's basically last. Is that what we can expect to see from St. Mary's is this slow pace, this kind of methodical offense? And how do you think Gonzaga, if you think they're capable of counteracting that and, and how big of a key do you think that is for this game? I mean, as you pointed out, pace is really the key to this matchup. If this ends up being more of a St. Mary's game, and yes, I think they're going to try to be very deliberate on that mm -hmm. front. Um, and that really starts with their defense. They are just going to try to clamp you down and just essentially eliminate any level of offense. We saw that last night against Santa Clara. It took Santa Clara almost seven minutes to score their first point. Yeah. Uh, so you you clearly see like this is the game plan. Like this is what Samer is going to try to do. They don't have the best athletes, but they just know how to to help on defense really well. They're good. They're great at staying in front of their guys. They know how to create tough passing lanes. This is what they know how to do. And one of the things we know that Gonzaga also likes to do is be able to move the ball around and actually have that flow of offense, mm -hmm. which this is something that St. Mary's is largely able to disrupt on a lot of fronts. And so I think like that's really the challenge for Gonzaga is to get off to that good offensive start and have that rhythm early, like we saw against LMU. Because I think like over the last few weeks, we hadn't seen that from them. Yeah. We've seen a lot of rough first halves, whether we took point to Pepperdine, we point to mm -hmm. the USF game, point to Santa Clara. It's like a lot of those games, it was like even Pacific. It's like mm -hmm. slow first halves. And then they picked up in the second. For, in my mind, it's like if, if Gonzaga is going to be in this game early and off you have to have that strong start yeah. in the first half because if you don't unlike a usf unlike mm -hmm. a pacific unlike a santa clara mm -hmm. they will not let you back in the game yeah. you go you start on a you start slow st mary's knows how to clamp you down and then yeah. finish it off yeah Absolutely. I think uh, we, Gonzaga has played, when they don't play a full 40 against Santa Clara, they lose. When they don't play a full 40 against San Francisco, they barely win. Like they they cannot afford to not play a full 40 against St. Mary's. I, they, there's just no way. It has to be, they have to be in it the entire game. I think that's, to me, that's unquestionably a part of it. And we can talk about like specific X's and O's and, and various other things, but ultimately it's it's about Gonzaga not falling victim to having a slow start, having a slow start in the second half, uh, having a, a, a weird period late in the first half, which is what caught them against Santa Clara. They played them okay in the first 12 minutes or so and then really struggled to finish out the second half. Like they, they just are going to need to be able to avoid that. And I think, you know, it's going to be a chess match as it always is. And I think what has happened to Gonzaga in the past is teams have game planned differently against them and Gonzaga has struggled to adjust. And I don't know that that's as much of a, a – a play in this game because I think both teams kind of know what the other is going to do. It's just going to kind of be a, Hey, who can make those little in-game adjustments and, and figure things out. And also just who's, who's going to 
out execute the other team. I, I don't think it's like same areas probably not going to throw anything super unusual at Gonzaga. I doubt Gonzaga is going to throw anything unusual at same areas. We saw them do a few things kind of differently in the LMU game. Uh, I think partly because they knew that Dominic Harris knew some of their actions. And so they threw something a little different at them and it worked really excellently having Nolan Hickman run that pick and roll instead of Ryan Nemhard having them run it a little closer to the basket. It seemed to free, free up some stuff that I'm not sure how effective those particular actions would be against St. Mary's, but I do think there's an element of we just got to you just got to be who's going to execute their offense, their sets, their you know defensive schemes better. I think that's what this game's going to come down to, and yeah. it kind of just feels like a a clash of two titans in some ways. Yeah, I mean the, the one thing I really liked from Gonzaga the other night was the switch in strategy as far as they they really emphasize attacking the basket and getting into the paint in that game against LMU because the one thing we know like season long Gonzaga has not been that good of a three-point shooting team and sometimes there's been an over-reliance on the perimeter shooting mm-hmm. they did not rely on that at all especially there in the first half and it, it really put the pressure on LMU yeah. and they were clearly unable to respond to what the Zags were able to do Graham EK had a great game mm-hmm. Nolan Hickman attacking the basket he had a great game uh anton watson as we know it's like he at especially once he has a head of steam toward the basket he's tough to stop Mm -hmm. uh this that was the one thing i think that was really that was a really nice adjustment for them to to have that be the game plan but as you pointed out saint mary's is a completely different team on that front Mm -hmm. they are great on the interior on interior defense rebounding i think is also going to be another key in this one because these are two of the best rebounding teams in in the country and mm-hmm. St. Mary's has been one of the best offensive rebounding teams in the country all year long. And if anything, that might be one of the bigger keys because that's where St. Mary's has made a lot of their living this year is on the offensive glass. Mm-hmm. And if they, if they do lead in that category, if they d- control the glass, I, this feels like it's going to be a tough sled for Gonzaga as it was against Santa Clara and also against USF because similar things that, that they were out rebound in those contests. It's funny. I, I, you're not looking at my notes, but it feels like you might be looking at my notes. <laughs> I literally have cannot let Gales get second chance opportunities bolded and italicized in my notes, because for me, that does feel like a key, especially with the pace thing. Like if, if St. Mary's is getting offensive rebounds, they're taking entire full minutes off the clock of a 30 second clock, get a shot up. And the amount of times Gonzaga this year has played because their defense is great. It's it's one of the best defenses we've seen from them in a while. And it's kind of this under under talked about aspect of Gonzaga. And we really saw it against LMU. I mean, that LMU team just kept coughing up the basketball and, and St. Mary's is not going to cough up the ball nearly as much as LMU did because they're just a, a more tight offensive team. But like if Gonzaga is going to play great defense for 30 seconds, force Alex Dukas to take an off balance three with the shot clock expiring. And then Mitchell Saxon gets an offensive rebound and resets the offense. Like that is just draining for you as a defense. It's exhausting. It's deflating to the crowd. And like, we've seen Gonzaga do that against teams that aren't as good as St. Mary's. So to me, the rebounding is, is huge. And I spoke with Chris Gerlison before the San Francisco game. And and he said that in his mind, that was the biggest key for his team in terms of being able to pull off an upset. And guess what? San Francisco out rebounded Gonzaga and they came this close to pulling off an upset. So that is a key against Gonzaga. They start three bigs and yet they have been getting out rebounded. They got out rebounded by LMU. That's part of that was because LMU missed a lot more shots than Gonzaga and, and was able to get more rebounds. But yeah, it, it to me, that is a really big key. And, and I think you're absolutely right that 
keeping St. Mary's off the offensive glass is a big key for Gonzaga. The hard part is if you have to crash hard on the defensive glass, you're less likely to be able to get out and transition, which is also what I think is a key for Gonzaga. So they kind of have to pick their battles if they're going to crash really hard to make sure Saxon and Jefferson and Dukas and those guys aren't getting offensive boards. They're probably sacrificing their ability to get out in transition, which potentially means they have to be more reliant on the half-court offense, which the half-court offense for Gonzaga comes down to two players, Graham E.K. and Anton Watson. In your mind, if St. Mary's is to lose, if Gonzaga is going to win this game, what do you think needs to happen? And, and who among those players in particular do you think needs to be the biggest X factor, the biggest contributor for Gonzaga to be able to ensure a victory at the kennel uh, and 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 St. Mary's is, is win streak in the WCC? Yeah, I I mean, I would think for Gonzaga, the, the key is going to be trying to speed St. Mary's up. Even if it's mm-hmm. in short spurts, it's speeding that team up. Because mm-hmm. one of the things we've seen over the course of time, and actually we saw it last night against Santa Clara, is that this the St. Mary's team was bothered still, as a lot of times is, by the press. Mm-hmm. And if you continue to have that sort of action, that can be a way you speed St. Mary's up into something they may not be as comfortable doing. Mm-hmm. Now, they were able to break the press a few times and actually make Santa Clara pay, but that still seems like a way to at least get like the Aiden Mahaney's off of his game and start to make force him into some poor decisions. Mm-hmm. Uh, but poor decision-making is just not something that the St. Mary's team does all that often. I'm just, mm-hmm. I was taking a look at the stats. Uh, they've only had more than 10 turnovers once in the last seven games. Jeez. So this is, this is not a team that's going to make a ton of mistakes. The one game was 12 against USF, mm-hmm. uh, but it's been four, five, seven, 12, nine, four, nine. It's like this, this St. Mary's team takes care of the basketball. So I think hurrying, trying to force them into into quicker action, I think is the way to do it. And as far as an X factor of who I think is going to have to play a big game, this has to be like a big game for Nolan Hickman in my mind. I think he is going to have to really come through much like he did against LMU because he mm-hmm. played with so much energy. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, that was one of the best games I've seen from him maybe yeah. ever. Uh, so I think you don't need that level of game. We don't need 25, 24 points from Nolan mm-hmm. Hickman, but you do need him to come through in clutch spots. You do need him to play well defensively. Yeah. You that's He's a guy I think that is going to be absolutely critical for this, for Gonzaga to pull off a win in this one because it, because everybody else feels like there's kind of almost like a, you can kind of predict maybe where the advantage is in places. That's the one where it's like, if he can play maybe above where we are used to seeing him and more like the other night, then that gives Gonzaga the win. Well, one of the things that's kind of made this game particularly interesting is, is Gonzaga's vulnerability. I mean, they've been more, they're more vulnerable right now than they've been in a long time. Uh, since really that 2015-16 team in terms of you know, ensuring that they have a spot in the NCAA tournament, that they're going to be continuing that incredibly lengthy streak of, of participating in the big dance. Uh, St. Mary's obviously has a lot of momentum, but because of that rough start to the season, they're kind of not in a position of, of as much comfort and and haven't, frankly, gotten as much respect from the committee as, as I think Gonzaga probably would, just part of name value in, in that way. And that certainly there's a, a debate about whether how that should be perceived. I mean, St. Mary's resume right now has more quad one wins than Gonzaga because Gonzaga does not have any, but it does make this feel in particular, this game, the return game in Moraga, obviously the WCC tournament, they feel heightened in a way that we haven't really seen in a while. And part of that is because even though the last few years, these teams have been 
good and comparable, they both were going to make the NCAA tournament. Like it didn't feel like there was as much mystery about that. And now that that's a big situation. Gonzaga's going for their first quad one game. St. Mary's is going for the kind of victory that would really cement their resume uh, as we're kind of getting into February and the start of the, the bubble season, as it were. Does it feel to you like this, this game has a little bit more juice to it. Does it, cause, cause to me, it feels like Gonzaga is a little bit more desperate and that might be kind of a scary situation for St. Mary's, but at the same time, the flip side could be the St. Mary's is smells blood, you know, and they're going to go in for the kill. And it kind of feels like it could go either way and makes it exciting. And also uh, the kind of game where my stomach's going to be turning for the entire day on Saturday. I, I, th- I think that there is going to be something to be said about the Zags playing with their back against the wall to an extent mm-hmm. and how that does create a little bit more of a dangerous opponent because when you're playing somebody who has something to play for mm-hmm. and it is legitimately now needs it, I, I think that's completely legitimate. I think that's going to be very much part of the case on Saturday. But on the St. Mary's side, like I think they've been playing that way since about the first week of December. Yeah. Since they lost to Weber state, Mm -hmm. since that first net ranking came out where they were 155, (laughs) they've been playing that way. They have been playing focused and with a chip on their shoulder of nobody believes in us. Like probably some of the things I've even said about sure. Yeah. I've made it back to that locker room. Um, (laughs) But so I think like they've been playing that way for a long time. And I think that that's given them a little bit of an edge that they're not afraid to actually go into any building and really kind of like really kind of take the, the air out of places They're Keep in mind, they're only the only undefeated um, college basketball team left at five and oh on in true road games. Mm-hmm. So this is another kind of random note. It's like, they've gone on the road. They've, yeah. One at Santa Clara, they won at USF, they won at Colorado State, they won mm-hmm. at LMU. Like they have big wins against some good opponents on the road. And obviously, like this may be the toughest of them hitting the road against the Zags, as we know the kennel is just an, is a tough place yeah. to win, no matter how good the Zags are. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think St. Mary's is battle tested enough, and they've all been playing with a chip on their shoulder, maybe for a little longer than the Zags have so far this year. Uh, but both of these teams playing with playing with a little bit of desperation with no guarantee, I think is is going to give this game a a new wrinkle that we haven't seen, or at least a different wrinkle we haven't seen in a long time. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you 100%. It feels to me like St. Mary's should be in the at-large conversation if they don't win the WCC. I think Gonzaga should be in the at-large conversation if they don't win the WCC, but if either of these teams get swept by each other, that I think puts this conversation in a much more tenuous spot. Gonzaga has that opportunity against Kentucky. Kentucky has looked far more vulnerable lately, but that's still frankly a really tough matchup for Gonzaga just from a personnel perspective. But uh, it does feel like both these teams have some absolute juice. Zach, before I let you go, uh, I just want a game prediction. It doesn't have to be an exact score, but something about how you think this game might go, how you think the final score is going to shake out what the, what this thing might look like on Saturday, because it's going to be a really fun one. Yeah. I, I get the feeling this is going to be more of a St. Mary's pace in this one. Mm-hmm. I, the way they've been playing the last couple months, I just have a ton of confidence in that squad right now. Mm-hmm. And, and Gonzaga has been playing better as mm-hmm. of late, I think as well. But so I, I think this is going to be a lower scoring game, but St. Mary's I think is going to pull off their first win in Spokane since 2018. Yeah. Uh, they'll snap that five game losing streak and take really full command of the WCC if they're able to get it. 
Yeah, well, I'll, pr- I'll predict Gonzaga so that uh, we're not both predicting St. Mary's. Um, I think it's going to be a close game. I think it's going to be a, a game played more at St. Mary's' pace. I think Gonzaga is a little bit more comfortable playing at that pace than they have been in the past, which might be a bit of an advantage for them. Uh, but I do still think that the, the the matchup on the block, EK and Saxon, is going to be a key part of it. How Watson can perform, we've seen him have huge games for Gonzaga when EK has been neutralized in the past, like he did against Santa Clara, like he did against UCLA. If EK can avoid foul trouble, and command Saxon's attention and Watson can do what he does. I think this Gonzaga team has a great opportunity to to kind of maintain a six to eight point lead throughout the game. Then at the end of the game, they got to make their free throws and boy, howdy, has that been a problem for them this season. But if they're able to teams on that front. Yeah, that's true. That's true. It's been an issue for St. Mary's as well. This could be a slow paced game that ends with a bunch of teams breaking free throws at the end. Might not be the most fun aesthetically if that ends up happening, but uh, I think Gonzaga can hang on for a six eight point victory here and and get that first quad one win and and make the standings a little bit closer but i'll tell you right now it is not going to be a a game where either team feels particularly comfortable for probably any of the 40 minutes in this contest i think everyone watching is going to lose a few years off their lives watching this game (laughs) yeah if i had any hair left to lose it'd be gone i promise you that Zach, thank you so much, as always, for coming on to the show. I always appreciate your expertise, your insight into this team. I'm looking forward to a fantastic game on Saturday and getting an opportunity to speak with you again later in the season uh, when these two teams face off again and potentially to help preview the WCC tournament. Sounds good. Thanks, Andy. Yep, that's going to wrap it up for us today here on the Locked on Zags podcast. If you want to make this show your first listen or your first watch of the day, please hit that subscribe button on YouTube. It is very much appreciated. And until next time, As always, especially this week, go Zags.